Hello, and welcome to the Interim Leader Podcast, brought to you by Odgers Interim, the UK's number one interim management provider. Pamela Maynard, Avenard's CEO, is deeply committed to Avenard's purpose, to make a genuine human impact and to be the leading digital innovator, creating great experiences for their clients and their customers through the power of people and the Microsoft ecosystem. She says three of the most important things she does are to make sure that their clients are successful on their digital journeys, that they stay on the pulse of the next wave of technology, and make sure that the Avenard team feels inspired, confident, and cared for. Before being named CEO in September 2019, Pamela was president of Product and Innovation, and early in her Avenard career, she was president of their European organization after serving as general manager of Avenard UK. She's a passionate supporter of diversity and inclusion and will share with us today her journey. Pam, welcome to um, the first in a series of our podcast, Women in Leadership. It's so lovely to be able to chat to you about all the things that you've done. I just want to pose a few questions to you so that you can share them with the audience. So, Pam, when we first met, which I don't know if you remember, it was over five years ago now at a rugby match. And you were at a very different stage of your career. Now you're a very high profile female black CEO working in technology. Can you just sort of share with us a little bit about your journey and the challenges that you have faced along the way? I'm delighted to be here. It's wonderful to be here to spend some time with you. And yes, I do remember when we first met and uh, it was my first ever my first ever rugby match at Twickenham, so I was very excited. And uh, and it's wonderful that we've been friends and colleagues over the past five years, I think, Ali, since since that time. Uh, and, and I'm not really sure if I really am high profile, but thank you again for saying so. And um, so my journey, probably not, what would you say, a sort of a, a straight path, if you like, towards CEO. And originally, believe it or not, and I'm not sure we've actually talked about this, I wanted to be an architect as a as a child, and uh, and then yeah, coming through a sort of O level, A level time, changed my mind. I thought I wanted to be a lawyer. Now, um, as we all do, coming home, you know, after my last A level exam, I'm sort of thinking, you know, is that what I really want to do? I think yeah, when we finish our A levels there's often that point of reflection. And I remember walking into my house and my mum sort of said to me, you know, what's up? You know, you don't look very happy. You've got the whole summer ahead of you. Why aren't you, you know, sort of delighted and euphoric and planning all the great things you're going to do through the holiday with your friends? And, and I said to her, I said, look, mum, I'm really sorry, but I don't want to do law anymore. And it was a big thing for me to do because I was going to be the first person in my family to go to university it was hugely important to my parents, and uh, and but she was really cool about it. And she said, "Well, if you don't want to do law, do you know what you enjoy? Let's think about what you enjoy." And she really encouraged me to trust my instinct because I didn't know what I exactly what I wanted to do. I chose a business studies degree instead, and I did that because it gave me choices, it gave me options. And even if I had decided I wanted to pursue law. At a later point, I could off the back of a business studies degree, I could have done a, a law conversion, as you know. My degree actually led me to an internship at IBM in my third year, which was my first taste of tech. 
And I then joined Oracle and Oracle's graduate program when I finished university. From Oracle, I spent time at EY. Uh, and so really got involved in technology-enabled business transformation and leading big change programs. But technology always played a, played a big role. Uh, EY Consulting got bought by Capgemini, and so I spent time in Capgemini and then arrived in Avenard in 2008, uh, in August 2008, and took different leadership roles, both in, in the UK, in Europe, and in the US, spent three years in the US with Avanard and became CEO in September 2019. So that's that's the journey. And yeah, someone who's had a front row seat, if you like, in terms of seeing the power of technology and what technology can do and how you can use technology to change things for the better. It's also really taught me to appreciate the people that are involved day in, day out in everything that we do. And that really has stuck with me through my years, my career, to the point of becoming CEO. And therefore led me to one of my first big decisions, which was actually to formalise Avanade's purpose, uh, which is all around making genuine human impact. You know, that's my journey you know, to the point of being CEO. Brilliant. Thank you. And I think you've certainly come a long way your mum definitely is very proud of you and everything that you've achieved but I'd like to know a CEO of a leading digital innovator how, how do you think your approach to leadership style has changed over the past 12 months as a result of the global issues that we faced yeah hugely I'm sure um well I know you know and I can sense it in myself but yeah as I said earlier, so I stepped into the role of Avanade CEO in September 2019. And the first big thing that I did was formalise our purpose, which was to make a genuine human impact, you know, which goes beyond our vision and our values. You know, our purpose is about the why. You know, what is it? Why do we do what we do? Uh, and I felt that we needed that to guide the next chapters of Avanade and to guide our future decisions from the clients that we pursue and who we work with to how we develop our own employee experience. So I looked at it from both angles, both external, but then also internal. And a purpose is really the thing which is, helps to unify an organisation. People want to feel like the work that they're doing matters, that it counts and that it makes a difference. What I would say that was the real battle and was tested you know, shortly after, how we actually we use that purpose to galvanise our employees. And we really, really did. And I was sort of six months into the role, coming off the high of my first month. Uh, yeah, we just celebrated our 20th anniversary. And then, as you said, you know, we're faced with the global pandemic. And then very soon after that, the murder of George Floyd, and then the Black Lives Matter movement you know, across you know, several of our geographies. And our people and our communities were in pain. There was a lot of struggle in the world uh, and, and in our business. And, and in those early days as CEO, I reflected on something as well that my sister had said to me, which was, you know, as you take this role, you've got to recognise the responsibility that you're taking on. And in normal circumstances, that can mean responsibility you know, to pay forward and opp the opportunity to empower people to do their best work what that responsibility really meant to me was you, you have to also take care of your people 
there was no other option and no greater priority for me in those days. And in fact, again, when I came into roles, I say I talked about purpose, which was making a genuine human impact and reflecting that both internally and externally. It's because I really took a people first strategy. You know, every moment, my job as a leader centered around helping the people at Avanar feel safe and cared for, you know, whether that was through reassurance uh, that they would be supported if, supported if they needed to step away, uh, take on you know, their responsibilities in their home life, you know, either with caring for children or parents or taking some extended responsibilities in the communities in which they lived. It was around providing access to resources, for example, from a mental health perspective and being able to offer flexibility and know that it was okay for them to take advantage of that flexibility in their day-to-day routines and more. And, you know, having that focus on people as well, you know, my view was, uh, you know, if I can help my people to feel cared for uh, and feel confident then that in turn would reflect on how they would engage with our clients. It was powerful to have our purpose as the North Star during the time, that time, and not only as guiding our decisions and our actions, but also helping us to really remind us you know, what matters. I think that will resonate with a lot of people across the globe. You know, and there's certainly been so much that's going on in the world over the last year and a half, as you've said. But in more general terms, do you think that it's changed your perspective of your own leadership and the relationship in particular that you've got with your workforce? It's a really interesting question. It's almost like one that you should do a, a 360 survey yes. to see what people think um, <laughs> <laughs> rather than me share my perspective on the relationship. I believe so. I really believe so. Uh, yeah, any good leader should bring EQ and IQ yeah, to their roles. Yeah, we're all in the same boat. And I think it's also become more acceptable and probably more expecting of us as leaders you know, to show up differently. Right? And we've had to connect with people in ways that we've never connected before. That in part has taken a level of courage that we've probably never shown before as leaders because we've always kept a yes. certain level of distance. Um, but that through that connection, you know, we've become more compassionate. There's the need to become much more compassionate as you've understood more about people's lives, as I say, in a way that you've never had before. And in turn, they've understood more about you and your life because your life has become more transparent, in, if you like, towards um, in them. And therefore, it means, you know, we've probably felt a little bit more vulnerable than we would have done as leaders. But the great thing about that is that openness and that vulnerability helps you to build a connection, which is very different. Yes, on a different level, it therefore leads to, I believe, more trust in you as a leader, but also place a huge emphasis on health and well-being, probably, again, in a way that we've never done before as leaders. From the outset, we removed chargeability, which, of course, as you know, is one of the key measures for any consulting business. We removed the pressure. We took the pressure off of that metric in the first quarter, if you like, of the pandemic and just allowed people to step back a little bit, focus on training, focus on skills, focus on volunteering, provided that flexibility. I think I would also point out that in addition to creating a more empathetic workplace and workforce, 
we've also really created a much stronger culture of trust. And I think that's become clear as well, that as productivity and excellence isn't dependent on where someone sits. You don't need to see somebody in front of you in an office every day. You know, we've also learned that we can trust our employees and our people to just get on with what we need them to do. And I fully expect as we go forward, and I'm certain you're all talking about it as well, Annie, that we will continue to embrace this hybrid way of working uh, and it will become more the norm than the standard model for leading industries and leading organisations into the future. Yeah, no, I, I think you're certainly right there. I mean, I think a hybrid model is is um, a, the way that everybody is is thinking at the moment. And just things that you've said in terms of being empathetic with your workforce and looking after their mental health and well-being, that's just so important. I mean, it's been 15 months since people have all really got together. So I think everything that you have said will resonate with a lot of people. And if I just think, Pam, everything that, that you've spoken about so far, I know that there are very a lot of talented people who aspire to achieve everything that you've achieved. And I know that you're very diplomatic about what you, you've achieved, but it, 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 is, it is true. And I, you've spoken a lot about your mum, but who, who really inspired you to reach for the top? Of course, my mum. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you said that. <laughs> I've been born with my grandmothers. <laughs> I've had the pleasure, I mean the pleasure, although sometimes it doesn't feel like it at the time, to work with many great mentors uh, throughout my career. And so I'm a huge advocate for mentorship. I've also had sponsors as well. And I do see the two very differently. And I think between the mentors and sponsors who have helped me to see the possibilities in a way that I would never have done, maybe take a bit more risk in ways that I would never have done. And they know who they are. <laughs> they are the group that have really inspired me to reach for the top and see myself sitting in this seat now, you know, as a global chief exec yeah so mentors played a big role in my decision to leave the UK and go and move to the west coast and spend three years in Seattle uh, and also I've worked with my mentors to help me to find to create the time and the space to think and reflect and plan it's also something that I'm very very conscious of yeah that I benefited from and therefore I want to help others with yeah, and in any way that I can, and in particular, you know, those people who, as I did, struggle with being heard in large group settings, I actually mentor a number of people, as many as I can, given in terms of what time would allow. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, I've been inspired by my mentors, my sponsors, who have helped give me a little shove, helped to create confidence you know, for me to move forward maybe take some some big step forward some risks if you like in my career brilliant well the mentors have certainly done their job because you've achieved so many great things so they should they will be very proud of you and I think anyone who has you as their mentor are equally lucky Pam oh, so. but I suppose if we think about it you know no journey is ever smooth sailing could you share with us how do you personally deal with setbacks and motivate yourself to move on? I think from my personal perspective, you know, what, what is it you know, for, for me and how do I deal with setbacks? I used to travel a lot 
And I actually used travel time to reflect, you know, a little bit of space where I was on my own. As you can imagine, again, as a leader in a significantly sized people-driven business, you're always on, always connecting with people day in, day out. So for me, it's really important to get step back time um, to reflect. And so I'm always reflecting on situations, you know, how did that go? Did that go the way you wanted it to? If it didn't go the way you wanted it to, how might you approach that differently next time? And learning. So that's how I deal with setbacks often. Uh, Now that I'm not traveling, how do I do it? I walk. So when I'm walking or if I'm in the gym or the boundaries that I put around my my day so um you and i started our conversation at 10 o'clock in the morning and typically and typically the first call i ever do is at 10 o'clock in the morning so i have time in the morning as well to reflect and think about the day and so having those boundaries also helps me to deal with setbacks reflect on setbacks and learn from them which is the most important thing and i think you're absolutely right you know the fact that you might start at 10 o'clock that that says a lot to your staff I mean, all 43,000 of them that actually they can take some time out to reflect as well and again we didn't know what to expect this time last year it was all new it was new to all of us so based on everything that you have said when you're trying to accomplish change in your organization or your team how do you do it and how do you how do you take people on that journey with you yeah and change is a challenge for all of us. Many, well, I say all of us, maybe just many of us, because um, there are probably some huge experts in change out there. It, to get people to really embrace the change and the direction that you're taking them on as a leader, you have to set that clear vision. But it's more than that. It's also helping them to understand why the change is important to get to that vision and to realise that vision. and how it's going to impact them. Uh, And without that understanding and that connection in terms of the implications on them to the why of the change, it doesn't matter how effective your strategy is for change or how beautiful your vision is, no one's going to be inspired to be on that journey with you. And it's something that we're really learning and reflecting on as the other thing that I did when I came into role was start to think about the next five years of Avenard and to stand up our vision for 2025 uh, and and then you set up the sort of strategic program around that but we're continually evaluating through our employee survey you know how people are engaging with the strategy what do they feel about the strategy do they feel the strategy can make a difference for them and our clients because that in a way is our barometer to ensure that you know we are helping people to be able to connect with the vision for 2025, for the why of 2025, and most importantly, what it means to them. And then continually working on the the change elements of our program to help people to be more comfortable and and increase that connection. Because as I say, without that, no one's going to be inspired to be on that journey with you. I think once you... Once you start to get people to engage, you know, on your strategy and, you know, and connect to your vision and the why, it's really important as well though, that to continue to build in agility. Um, agility has always been important in the work that we do. You know, being a tech company, there's agile processes and ways of working, which are important for delivering technology solutions. But it's also crucial in how we work and how we work as a business. 
um, because, and especially what we've seen over the last year, sometimes you just don't know what's around the corner. So you have to be agile in terms of your ability to adapt and change. And, and also it's the speed. Yeah, again, over the last year, what we've seen is the pace of change has just been phenomenal. And especially in our our industry where you 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 will we've seen years worth of technology transformation just being crammed into quite a short period. And again, unprecedented in terms of the degree of change in the industry and in industries through technology. So it really is an unprecedented time. And it's taught us that while we don't always know what comes next we need to be prepared to adapt and change quickly but to do that you've got to be able to help people to understand the why and what's in it for them as a leader you know, change agility everything that you've said is is so important if you were to look back at all the great lessons that you've learned throughout your career sort of say to your 20 year old self or young aspiring leaders this is what's going to happen. But what advice would you give to them? Two pieces of advice. And I'm, <laughs> no one can see me now because we're on a podcast, but I have this big smile on my face because I'm reflecting back to joining Avenard in 2008 and the conversations that I was having uh, with the then um, head of the UK and, and the fact that it took me eight months to uh, join Avenard and now here I am as CEO and it's like, why on earth did it take you eight months? Because um, you've just had uh, such great opportunity. And that is my first piece of advice. You know, don't be afraid to, to walk through the door. Don't be afraid to take risks. Have a go. Try out those new opportunities that people are offering you. And, you know, I would never have achieved the success in my career if I'd not taken a few risks, walked through the door of opportunity that were open for me. Um, because at the end of the day, and I still remember the advice I was given when I was a young consultant at EY, you know, the destiny of your career, if you like, is going to be down to you. People will create opportunity for you, but you have to take it. Um, and sometimes I think I've been too slow to take some of those opportunities you know, albeit I have taken several. And yes, it can be daunting and it can be scary, uh, but don't hold yourself back. The second one is about challenge. Challenge old ways of thinking. You know, we need bold and innovative ideas to make the world a better place than where we are today. And the past 18 months has taught us that we've got to think out of the box. We've got to think out of the box so we can adapt quickly, so we can innovate quickly. And if we want to change things for the better, we must think and act boldly and commit to being innovative. So don't be afraid to push against the conventional. And if you don't, we won't achieve what we want to achieve for the future. Uh, and also, again, if you don't, you will be holding yourself back from yet another learning opportunity. So those would be the two pieces of advice. I, I think they're great pieces of advice. I, I particularly like the door of opportunity. Um, so I think whatever level people are who are listening today, that will resonate with a, with a lot of people taking those opportunities. And even if they're deemed as a bit of a risk. Pam, you're such a passionate leader. And I know that you're very modest about it, but I've known you for a long time now. It just comes across in everything that you say. But if we could just turn to diversity and inclusion, what do you think businesses can do to ensure that diversity and inclusion is not now just a box ticking exercise 
but it becomes a reality at all levels. Wow. Um, so inclusion and diversity isn't meant to be a, a department you know, in the corner of the business doing isolated work. The first thing is that it needs to be embedded in business strategy and therefore impacting every decision that you make can be felt at every level of the organisation. And while it may seem daunting you know, to drive real change, my advice for companies is to get started by asking what more can you be doing to create an environment where everyone can do their very best work, where people feel, everyone feels they're truly valued, welcome and heard. It's not enough to simply say we won't tolerate discrimination or racism. So, you know, to, to use bold words to so say you've really got to embed it and ask yourself the question and then look at how you change the ways and the actions you can take in your business to really change things for the better in that, in that regard. Focusing on inclusion and diversity has to start with the top executives leading from the front and leading with intentionality. It's got to be viewed as you would any other business priority. You've got to measure yourself. We've got to put goals in place, actions in place, like I said, but also you've got to measure yourself and be transparent. And that can also be scary, right? Being transparent around your achievement of those goals, and then that holds you to account. And at Avenard, we've been really deliberate and very focused on creating a stronger culture of allyship and inclusion and what does that look like? We've invested in our inclusion and diversity teams. We have a whole team focused on this. We've hired our first ever chief inclusion and diversity officer. We've bolstered global training resources to help people to understand more about um, what it means um, to create uh, or to lead uh, more inclusively, but then also create a more inclusive organization. Um, we've set hiring metrics and goals. We've enacted candidate slating guidelines you know, with our hiring partners. Uh, we've dedicated more support to grow our employee networks. So we now have several employee networks, which again help us to understand as leaders how we're doing and what we may need to do differently. But it starts with asking the question is, you know, how do you create that environment? How do you create that company where people feel welcome where they belong where they feel they can be heard I, I think that's again that's important across um, all organizations and you're very right and I hope that uh, people are you know will take your your lead uh, we're certainly seeing a lot more of it and it's not just a talking point of any anymore a question for you and it, it might be a difficult question to answer but I think the listeners would be in, interested to hear and how do you see your experiences as a black female leader shaping the future of technology? <laughs> That's a usually difficult question to answer. I like to challenge. <laughs> and again, I think it goes back to inclusion and diversity, right? And there are men, as you say, uh, it's become people are it's becoming more prevalent in terms of business strategy and uh, boardroom discussions etc because there is a recognition that inclusion and diversity is key to innovation uh, it's, it's 
key to it's one of the key levers if you like or it can impact your know, bottom line results and business performance and also as our clients look to us to help them to solve complex problems which mean that they can drive more impact with their customers um or their stakeholders and their employees yeah and you know we can't be a true innovator without diverse skills and perspectives you know diverse skills and perspectives are critical to innovation and our workforce therefore needs to reflect diversity of our clients and our communities if we want also to be a better market leader um, and so i think we all know as i say the business case for inclusion and diversity is very clear uh, with companies you know with higher racial uh, diversity report 15 times uh, more revenue and sales than companies that aren't um, racially diverse and companies with more than 30% of female executives are more likely to outperform companies uh, where that percentage is a lot lower so the case is there the facts are there the data is there but it goes beyond just making good um, business sense as I say, we can't support our clients and our employees and their customers without that, that more diverse thinking at the table. Um, and so, you know, I feel as a black female CEO that I've got significant responsibility to play as a role model um, for others who could be me in the future, for inspiring people that look like me uh, around the opportunity and the possibility from a career in technology. So they want to participate and they want to get involved. And we know as we're building more diverse leadership, um, you know, it starts with attracting diverse young people, especially, you know, we focus on STEM, but it's not exclusively STEM careers. Um, but we've launched associated with that a scholarship program which helps women from underserved communities pursue STEM degrees. And since its inception in 2015, we've partnered with 14 universities across the globe. We've offered scholarships to 110 female students pursuing STEM degrees and, and also expanded that program to now include dedicated slots for Black and African-American students as well. Um, but it's not enough just to attract women and those from underrepresented communities and STEM, and STEM careers, but it's also, uh, you know, we've got to support them on every single step of that journey, whether it be through mentorship, as I say, also the employee networks we've established, leadership development programs inside Avenard and outside of our organisation. As you know, a black female CEO, it's really important for me to be visible I've got a, a responsibility of paying it forward, if you like, to create some inspiration uh, to others that are coming behind me so they can see the possibility of what they could become in the future. Pam, I think we could talk for hours, but you, you know, <laughs> you've just, you've inspired us again today with everything that you've shared with us. If you could just say one thing to aspiring female leaders who, I guess are inspired themselves by your success story. What, you know, what would it be? What would it, what's the sort of the final word that you'd say here today? Oh gosh, you, you ask some really tough questions because it's always like one thing. <laughs> and there's so there is so much there is so much that you can say. Early in my career, I think I, I mentioned it earlier that you know I struggled a bit with a sense of belonging, and and I, I think it's a real challenge 
it, when you feel like an anomaly, when you feel like you're the only one. And so often as women, we are the only one in the room. And it's improving, but the situation is still pretty dire in some sectors you know, of industry. One of the things that's helped me to overcome that feeling is to realise that being different is also a strength, right? It allows you to see things in a different way from another perspective, to tackle problems from a different angle. And it's where true innovation can come from. I encourage everyone to embrace what makes you different and to use that as a source of strength to show yourself and those around you all that you are capable of. So that would be my piece of advice. Thank you, Pam. And, you know, you shared with us, you know, a very personal journey. As far as I'm concerned, you've, you've achieved so much. As I say, when we met, you weren't CEO. We were standing um, in Twickenham cheering on, I think it was England versus Scotland. Um, <laughs> and, and it's just great to have been able to sort of follow your journey and hear the things that you're really passionate about So I'd just like to thank you for giving your time to us this morning. Uh, And I think our listeners will be inspired by your journey. Well, thank you, Ali. And it's been wonderful to spend this time with you. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to like and subscribe for more episodes of The Interim Leader. 